Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. You know, over the past several months, we have seen and heard a lot of companies jump off the cliff in their commercials advertising their product while at the same time promoting a pretty disturbing and dangerous and confusing and divisive humanistic worldview. It is so far from truth and reality that even the real object is lost in the discussion, making it feel as though it's been forced to return to a mindset from 175 years ago. We can talk about the many awards given, commercials, reports, and speeches, by Ivy League professors or politicians given to promote such a false narrative that it will make your head spin. Uh, And the best attempt to undo such damage to their product, uh, their bottom line or their honor and integrity is from a particular company that brought this worldview to our kitchen tables for discussion. They attempted to undo the damage through a commercial showcasing one of their famous mascots traveling across the country from New York City to the Grand Canyon, passing by uh, scenes in the American heartland as a narrator delivers this patriotic message. This is a story bigger than our product. This is a story of the American spirit. And as the ad plays, uh, this magnificent animal passes by some of uh, the most famous American uh, landmarks, the the New York City skyline, the Lincoln Memorial, small towns and farmlands. At at one point, the ad shows two uh, uh, raising an American flag as one places her hand over her heart and then back to the mascot saying, made for those who found opportunity and challenge and hope in tomorrow. And the the spokesman for this particular company said this, we have thousands of partners, millions of fans, and a proud history of supporting our communities and military and first responders and sports fans and hardworking Americans everywhere. We never intended to be part of a discussion that divide people. We are in the business of bringing people together over, and then they mention their product. And church, you want to know something? The same could be said of the church. Some within the body of Christ since the beginning of the church, and that's what we've been talking about in the Acts chapter uh, series uh, about a spirit-led church. Some uh, within the body uh, since the beginning uh, of the church has caused harm. Some unintentional and some intentional. But our story is bigger than ourselves, is it not? It's the story of God and of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit. This is a story of redemption and forgiveness and power and life. And we are in the business of bringing people together, not over something temporary, but over a drink of the living water, the Spirit of God. As we advance uh, and promote with our own little life commercials the gospel of Christ and how he has transformed us into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And as we continue our series on a spirit-led church and, and learn about uh, how the church began, it, 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 it forces us to ask a couple questions. What is the best way to, to advance the gospel or share the gospel of Christ and his church? What, what sets the, the Christian apart and gives him power and, and compassion, uh, fearlessness for, for, to, to be that shining light on a hill in a dark and lost world, build, building on the reputation of Jesus Christ and his church? Those questions are answered in Acts chapter 5, so turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 5 as we continue in our series, but let me ask, let me take you back to Acts chapter 1, uh, because it is there Jesus asks a question or told the church this, just before he sent it into heaven, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, you, the church, the Christian individual, in other words, again, we the church are to proclaim his name. We are to be living uh, advertisements, if you will, uh, by living a life of honor and displaying the fruit of the Spirit so that when people uh, see you, they see Christ and the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and, 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 it's, and it's no different than how you, you as a parent want your kids to represent your family out there in the world, right? You don't want them to shame your name your family name, here, here, but here's the tension. Sometimes the message that the church puts out there doesn't always communicate what God wants. And when, when the world sees the bad, that's what they focus on, right? Sometimes the, the, the church unintentionally puts out wrong messages and sometimes it, it's downright intentional. And one, one of those is that the church is filled with you know, a bunch of hypocrites, right? You've heard that before. People pretending they, they are something that they are not painfully damaging the church? I mean, how many times have you heard a non-Christian say, well, I, I'd go to church if it weren't for all those hypocrites? If someone ever does say that to you, I would encourage you to just reply back to them, then you're going to fit in just fine uh, because there's always room for one more. <laughs> the, the reality to their assumption happens to be correct, though, in a lot of ways. We know what we're like behind closed doors when nobody's looking. The problem is people uh, notice how we're living and how we're talking. They see. They're not stupid. And if we're not walking with Jesus every day, then we're walking in stride with the world. We've bought into what they want to put out there. And in Acts chapter 5, we, we find out pretty quickly uh, that hypocrisy shows its ugly head. And it happens uh, right after all this awesome stuff just happened just, just hours and days ago. And, it, it, and, it, isn't, it, uh, and it, isn't that part of, the, that's part of the problem, right? Because none of us, none of us are sinless. We're all going to mess up every day. That's what the scripture tells us. But it's, it's forcing others to live a certain way, and we don't think we have to. Hypocrisy is defined as someone pretending to be something they are not in order to gain the upper hand or demanding others to live a certain standard uh, by giving themselves a pass because, you know, they're so special. Hypocrisy is a result of self-righteous pride, which God most certainly condemns throughout his word. Acts 4 gives us a beautiful picture of what the church was looking like when everyone uh, shared what they had to everybody else in the, in the church, right? Everyone sold everything they had uh, that they owned and, and shared with those who were in need. Nobody, nobody had to, to be forced to do this. Nobody had to write a law to force people to do this. The Holy Spirit had given them a spirit of compassion and generosity. 
In Acts chapter 4, 36, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, uh, whom the apostles called uh, uh, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This one man had done so much with an act of kindness here. And this is the first time that we hear of Barnabas, uh, and, 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 he, and he happens to become a very key figure in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ as he traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys. But there is a flip side to someone who is displaying the heart of Christ with someone, who el someone else who's displaying a heart of hypocrisy, uh, someone with no honor at all. Because for every, for every Christian person who desires to honor the Lord, there will be one that is in it for themselves and will try to outstage those who are doing something with a true heart of Jesus and giving as to the Lord and what scripture says. If you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, it says, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So we're not trying to outdo anybody. We're just doing what God has called us to do. You want to be treated, you want to treat other people the same way you want them to treat you when you're in need, right? In Acts chapter 5, though, we're introduced to a couple uh, who, who try to outmaneuver the Holy Spirit by making themselves look better than they really were. So in verses 1 through 6, in Acts chapter 5, it says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property, just like Barnabas. With his wife, full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. See, what he's doing so far isn't wrong. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept uh, for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? In other words, you could have given a dollar and we would have been happy with that. But you lied. What, what, what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, it says he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard of what had happened. Can you imagine? And then all the young men came forward and wrapped his body and carried him out to be buried. Because back, back then, and even today, even in Israel today, when somebody dies, you're buried immediately because they don't do the embalming. And here, here we have a husband and wife who came up with a sneaky a way of gathering, uh, gaining attention for themselves uh, so they look good in front of this brand new church. And it quickly unraveled as soon as they put it into motion. We just, heard, we, we just read what happened to Ananias, but his wife has no idea what's happened to her husband. That his life was taken from him because he lied to the Holy Spirit. And in verse 7, uh, so here, here you have Peter. Uh, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me this. Is, is this a price you, you and Ananias got for the land? Well, yes, that's the price. And Peter says, how could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down and his, at, at his feet and died. And then a young man who, who came in and saw her dead wrapped her up and took her out to be buried alongside her husband. That's how quickly this happened. And on the surface, it would look as though Ananias and Sapphira were really uh, connected you know, to God's uh, uh, spirit, his leading, but their false generosity, if you will, uh, had, they had ulterior motives here. Like us, they started out with the right attitude and motive. They wanted to give a generous gift to the church, but they lost sight, hoping they were going to gain more popularity. And let's be honest, we're all at times, we've all at times been guilty of exchanging the applause of God for, for the praise of men. Sometimes that's more important to us. 
We, we weren't struck dead, but we, we moved closer to hypocrisy and further from the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, Jesus spent a lot of time slamming on the religious leaders for their lack of character being religious leaders. In Matthew chapter 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Man, you want to you wanna insult somebody? That's the way to do it. That's what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't nice all the time. He did not beat around the bush. He threw it out there. And church, have you ever had a hidden agenda for selfish gain in your own life? Have you ever done things in hopes of looking uh, more righteous than everybody else around you? If you have, I'm sure some of it was done unintentionally, but once in a while, you knew what you were doing, and, and you did it anyway so that you could feel good about yourself and look good in front of other people. Many of us do our best to hide our flaws. And, and do an even better job at making sure that our exterior image seems as though we have our life in perfect order, even though we don't. We do this so that those who, who we have contact with will think that we're nice and, and, and they'll say nice things about us. And, and we're hoping uh, they see us as strong and faithful and, and you know, we've got our life together. We offer opportunities for you pretty much every week to... To, to rededicate, to give your life to Jesus Christ, to respond to God's spirit, convicting you of whatever it might be in your life, and, and to show your willingness to, to, to change and become more dependent on God. And a lot of people don't because they just stay in their seats for fear. And I've had people time and time again after church will tell me or they'll text me in the afternoon or on Mondays, hey, you know, I was really moved, the spirit was moving me, and I'm thinking, well, apparently not. You know, because you didn't, you didn't want to do anything, you know, because their next response was, I was just too afraid. Because I don't want people to think that I have some big sin in my, my, in my life. I don't want people to think that I'm weak. I'm thinking, well, th then you didn't allow the Holy Spirit to move you. You allowed your emotions, your fear to control you. But I would encourage you, if you've ever done that, to listen to what Proverbs, Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 11. The integrity of the upright guides them but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. But, but the church does have an even bigger problem that doesn't shed a good light on the church itself. It's, it's the fact that there are some who think that they have the right to, to, to sit on God's throne and condemn people however they deem things should be done or not done within our own lives. I'm God, therefore you're going to do as I say. It's, 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 they, they are very judgmental and hateful over biblical sin issues and even towards opinionated issues. Things that have nothing to do with God or his word. They, they say that when a person aggressively starts attacking you over something in your life, what they are actually doing is, is hiding their own. They want to draw attention away from their sin, themselves because they know what you've done isn't even close to what they've done. And so they, they distract and they start attacking aggressively. There, there's, no, there's no argument that there are some self-righteous Christians who think that God has appointed them to be personal, uh, to, to personally be the both judge and jury over people's lives. And on top of that, you have the non-Christian world who, who love to quote Jesus, right? They don't even believe in God, but they're going to quote him all day long. Well, you can't judge me because the Bible says you can. Well, I thought you didn't believe in God, so why are you quoting him? We, we, do, we do not have the right to usurp God's throne. Even if someone is caught in an actual biblical sin, we don't get to, to, to cast that person into hell. 
God is the one who judges the heart of man. And you better hope to God and pray to God that he will judge you by his purity, not ours. Because we're going we're gonna to be in a world of trouble. He's the one who, who sets the, stand, the sentence, not us. Because if we think that we have all the wisdom and all knowledge, purity and righteousness, you know, to, to take away uh, God's call, we're, again, we're in a world of trouble here. All of us are. Doesn't, doesn't the Bible tell us in Romans that we've all fallen short of the glory of God every day, that we sin against God every day, that there's no one righteous, not one? That's what the scripture tells us. That's probably why we are told by Paul in his letter to the Ephesian Christians to speak truth in love. To have an equal balance of truth and grace. And Jesus told us that we would, we would be able to tell who his true followers are by how they live their lives. Maybe that's how you should start judging people. That's why he said in Matthew 7, by their fruit you will recognize them. So instead of judging people like we're some little God, how, how about we look at the fruit of that individual? Because isn't that how we want to be judged? So, so don't condemn someone for one bad incident in their life or maybe even two or three in their life, right? Because it's a lot better for a brother and sister uh, to come and talk to you about an issue in your life and, and you deal with it because they, they came to you in, in love and truth than... than, than, than God's namesake is not going to be mocked because you were going to repent of that because somebody approached you with love. They did it in private the way it's supposed to happen here because most adults in here know that you know, when it comes to any kind of discipline, there's technically two ways to discipline. You as a parent, you know this, and you as a child should know it already. This is what your parents do. You have the most obvious and simplest way, which is uh, through preventative discipline, right? Right? This is where you set the stage well before a situation occurs. It's less painful, less embarrassing, and it teaches wisdom through knowledge. And that, and that is what most churches do or should be doing with their preaching and teaching. Churches should be teaching people the, way, uh, the ways of God and, and, and how to push through uh, this world and live for Christ. Jesus, how to have a good marriage, how to treat others, how to be generous, how to be thankful and joyful and have a, a peace that passes human understanding, how to raise your children, how to, uh, to, to run a business, how to manage your money, how to keep your mouth shut uh, when you're supposed to and open it when you need to, uh, how to stay out of legal and spiritual trouble, how to, how to worship. That's all in God's word. A couple of years ago, I was out riding my bike here on four and I was passing the, the West Lawn Cemetery out here and by Larry and Robin Brown's house, and I, and I noticed a bunch of money all over the ground, sitting on a couple of the, the tombstones right up there by four, and I'm thinking to myself, man, some people don't understand, you can't take it with you, you know? But I, I put on the brakes. I got off my bike, and I'm over there, and I got off my bike thinking I'm gonna be picking up $1 bills, and they were $20 bills, every one of them. And I picked up $280, and I was so glad that I went on a bike ride because it was the most rewarding one I've ever had, okay? <laughs> but I saw something I didn't want to see. You know what it was? A wallet. Thinking, oh, crap. <sighs> Do I go pick up the wallet? Because if I pick up the wallet, there's going to be ID in there. And I was raised in a Christian home not to steal, to be honest, and return the money to its rightful owner. And I picked it up, and sure enough, there was an ID in there. 
And I, I, I did. I tried looking for this guy for a long time, for, for about a week and a half, and I finally found out where he lived. He lived out by uh, Evan and Patty Henry on one of those country roads that go to nowhere. And, uh, <laughs> and I went out there the first day, knock, nobody home. I go the second day, nobody home. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, one more time, buddy, three strikes and you're out. It's mine. And I go the third time, and guess what? He answered the door. And I'm thinking, come on, you know? I wasted all my time and energy picking up those $20 bills just to give it back to this guy. But he, he, actually, he actually asked me why, why I took the trouble and time to return it. And again, I told him that I was raised in a Christian home uh, to honor God's word, and he wanted to give me a reward. And I said, no, the only re reward I would like is for you to show up for church this one time. Just show up for church. He said he would. He did, as far as I know. If he's here, I apologize for the assumption, but, but uh, you know, honor your word. Someone said, example is not the best way of teaching, it is the only way of teaching. And that is why churches should be teaching the whole counsel of God and live a life worthy of our calling according to Paul's encouragement to the Ephesian church in chapter 4, verse 1. And by doing so, we are empowered by the Spirit of God as we follow the example of Christ. James, the brother of Jesus, if you recall, in his letter wrote, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not, only by, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no's no, or you will be condemned. It's that simple. The point of Jesus and, 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 and James's uh, uh, words here, they're stressing that when the Christian speaks, the only thing that comes out is God's truth. Honor your word and the word of God. Just honor it. Do what you say you're going to do. That's a person of integrity, right? The, the other way to discipline is through actual hands-on discipline or corrective discipline. And in our story, and in, in today in Acts chapter 5, you'll clearly see Peter doing, doing, doing the confronting uh, of Ananias and Sapphira for lying and stealing, but it's the Holy Spirit who does the act of discipline. Peter is not the one who takes their life, but it was the Holy Spirit of God. God is angry uh, with what they did by putting him uh, to the test and trying to look special in the eyes of the church. They lied about how much they, they sold it for and were giving it. I know what happens to them is pretty awful for, their, for the crime here, but if, if this hypocrisy isn't dealt with uh, at, the, at, the, at the start of the church, it would spread like wildfire. Everybody would soon begin to think, well, if Ananias got away with it, I can get away with it kind of a thing. And, and, and it would set a horrible uh, precedent for the church. And if you wanted to be part of the church, this is how you lived. Now, I don't know if this is still true. I don't know if it's true at all. I've never talked to a teacher about this, but they say that back in the day, teachers had an unwritten rule. And so any teacher here can fill me in after church. Uh, the unwritten rule is this. Don't smile before Thanksgiving. Apparently, it's still a thing. You know, and you know, the, the, the point is, you, th there will be a time for friendship to form, but you first have to establish who's in charge. And then you can become a friend of the kid. If you've ever uh, gone with me on any youth trip or mission trip that I, that I planned, you, you would have quickly noticed um, that I, I set clear lines um, on rules. I, I've had parents upset with me because if their kid didn't follow the preset boundaries, they would not be allowed to go on a trip with me, period. 
or if an adult or a teen uh, tried to hijack that, that trip, I would set, take them aside and have a word with them. And, and, and if they did it again, they would never be allowed to go on a trip with me again. They don't understand the pressure, the stress, the responsibilities. And when somebody tries to come in and hijack something that you've planned and prayed for a night and day over and stressed over and lost sleep over, I don't appreciate that. And I don't think any of us would. And so for us to get along well on trips like that, then you do what is expected of us when we are out there on any kind of trip with in, in representing the, the church, the body of Christ. And if you do that for more, I'm going to do it for you. That's how it's supposed to work. Because if not, chaos ensues. And so God stated his mission for the church through Jesus, and, and, and it's now being implemented through the Holy Spirit today. God doesn't need any, any who, who claim to walk with Christ to be intentionally living horrible, godless lives, creating problems for him. He has spoken, and we don't get to add to or subtract from, uh, from his word based on our life experiences or life experience of one of our loved ones or that what the world thinks is right and wrong or true and false. God spoke. We don't get to change it. The foundation of what God taught the church 2,000 years ago still applies today. The, the foundation of it. I get cultural things, I get all that, but when it comes to cultural things that are against God's word, uh-uh. The church cannot tolerate and condone and change what God established through the blood of Jesus Christ. And nothing kills the testimony of the church faster than an egotistic, self-righteous, hypocritical Christian. We, we, we don't have the right to crucify Jesus all over again because of our own sin. That's what Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Ananias and Sapphira were living in such a way that brought a bad impression on the church and without some form of, of discipline, it would damage the reputation of the church. And, and when that happens, the Holy Spirit won't empower the church because it is a far cry from what God had intended for the church to be. And so God takes some pretty heavy action and instead of a whole church being damaged his corrective discipline were two funerals this isn't the first time god did this if you remember mount sinai, mount sinai the gold calf stuff there's a bunch of them in there uh, it happened in joshua chapter 7 when when god dealt with achan after he took some spoils from a battle uh, that they weren't supposed to take it, it was off limits to the israelite uh, people but the corrective discipline was death for not only him but his entire family wow that seems harsh but god did not uh did not want one man's sin to stop the progress of his people and so God dealt quickly and heavily with this sin because it was the beginning of, of this conquest of the promised land. It was a brand new venture for his people. And Acts chapter 5 is a similar situation unfolding here. The church is beginning with the goal of the conquest of the world. And God was serious. And so what's happening is that God is sending a very clear message to those who claim to be followers of Christ, and that is you don't mess with the Holy Spirit. The reputation of the church is on the line and the Holy Spirit won't bless the church if hypocrisy runs rampant within the body. And that's why Ananias and Sapphira die immediately. And, and please don't misunderstand what's happening here. These two individuals did not lose their lives because they didn't give the whole uh, price of the land to the Lord or the church. They were struck dead because they lied, because they wanted people to think that they were more generous, more, you know, whatever. More, they wanted that high, high attention. We're special. We're like Barnabas. I mean, think about what maybe they were thinking at the time. 
Because I can imagine Ananias thinking that, you know, since Joseph gave a piece of property to the church and to share amongst, uh, you know, the whole, uh, the, 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 all those in need, and the, and the apostles gave them that, him that nickname Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement. And so he's got to be thinking, why not him? It, 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 if he doesn't, if he does something like Joseph here, uh, maybe he and his wife can get a new identity as Mr. and Mrs. Selfless. Awesome. But they became Mr. and Mrs. dead on the spot. It was serious. The church then and today should always be on the offensive. We should not allow ourselves to be put in a defensive posture. God spoke. We reiterate what God speaks. Not by our authority, but by his. Stay ahead of the game by being a person of honor and our word. God has communicated clearly his message to the church then and the church today. He, he will make decisive, uh, he will take decisive action if need be because the stakes are high. Just as you want to protect your own name or your family's name, God is saying the reputation of the church is even more important for it is to be the story of Christ. That's why it is extremely important for the body of Christ to understand that we have no right to slander the bride of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. And when you're speaking ill on his, of his bride, that groom is not going to take it nicely. So we've, we've got to be careful. Um, so make sure uh, people understand and see that you actually have walked with Christ because that's what everybody there in Jerusalem were seeing with the first church here. And you can read that in Acts chapter 4. They, they saw that these people, these men and women, were walking with Jesus. And, and I know we, ha we, have all, we all have issues with being held accountable you know, to sinful behavior, but it's needed or, or we're going to lose control and innocent people is going to get hurt. We, we see the results of bad behavior not being addressed on a daily basis even within our own country, and it's scary. But it's kind of like the mom who took her kindergarten kid to school for the first day and she says to the teacher, you know, my Jeffrey, he's such a sensitive boy. If he ever does anything wrong, make sure you spank the kid next to him. That will frighten Jeffrey so bad he won't misbehave. And, and that's how we are. We want everybody else to be spanked, but not us. Christians who, who, who nod in agreement when someone else's behavior is exposed and punished, but if it's their own, well, you know, that's a different story. And so we need to deal with it uh, with grace and truth, okay? I've seen discipline done correctly and incorrectly within the body of Christ. I've seen serious inconsistencies and hypocrisies and some horrible mistakes when de dealing with uh, the discipline issues regarding biblical sin issues or, uh, versus matters of opinion. I've also experienced some pretty gracious uh, moments when the church has allowed uh, you know, the Holy Spirit to do his work, causing some pretty uh, incredible, amazing ministry to take place because of that spirit, that heart of Jesus. No one likes receiving corrective discipline, and, and nor do most people like implementing corrective discipline, unless they're the, the self-righteous hypocrite. But that's why it's so important to guard your heart and, and surround yourself with friends who you can trust and who will listen to, or you will listen to when they, when they come and confront you over a sin issue in love and truth. Say, hey, you know, it's not a healthy path to go down. Listen, heed. I, I think I'm a better Christian because I've, I've had some close friends have, that have had those private uh, conversations with me in love and truth and, and about something that I didn't, um, 
where I didn't show that I was walking with Christ in particular areas of my life. And, and I thank them and love them for being Jesus to me in those moments. And I hope you would as well. When, when intentional sin is allowed and it stands and it, it, it starts to damage the reputation of the church, something has to happen. Hebrews uh, writes this, um, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, and we all would agree with that, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and, and peace for those who have been trained by it. Isn't that, so, isn't that true? You look back at when you were disciplined and think, ah, oh, I'm glad, I didn't like it, but man, I'm glad it happened. So please understand this. The goal of any kind of discipline is not a condemnation, it's restoration, and it's to be motivated by the love of God. It's, it's for the restoration of the Christian and the reputation of, of the, the church of the living God. That's exactly what Paul was communicating to the, the Corinthian church in, in his first letter to them in chapter 5. And then in chapter, his next letter to the church in, in, in chapter 2, he says, okay, okay, enough's enough. You've punished him enough. Leave, leave it alone. Okay, church, whatever you did is sufficient. Now, he says, instead you ought to forgive and, for, and comfort him so that he will be uh, overwhelmed with so he won't be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Some churches are excellent at that. Some churches are horrible at it. It would be awesome to, be, uh, to minister to a church, and any preacher will tell you this, where everyone was on top of their Christian game. Perfect, a wholesome a love of others that comes from the deepest part of one's heart, honest, gracious, generous, faithful, everyone whose who's, uh, walk always matches their talk, those who, who, who didn't have a hint of hypocrisy or a speck of deceit or an ounce of self-righteousness. And you want to know something that sounds so impossible, but it is, it is possible. That's a, a possible expectation because it did happen in the beginning of the church after Ananias and Sapphira were put down. The church actually experienced a time of intense godliness and honor, it says here. No one lied. Think about that. No one lied for fear of the consequences. Can you imagine telling your kids, hey, you guys, you guys want to hear about a story about Ananias and fire for lying? But what about us adults? It says in Acts 5.11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So the church developed a healthy respect for God and his guardrails. They knew uh, God was not to be tested in this way, and so we should do our best to live our lives with godly character. When, when the church is filled with people of honor and the fruit of the Spirit, the result is both spiritual and numerical growth. And isn't that what we want? In 514, it says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women... Typically, they only counted men in the scripture, but here they're saying men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So you had, to, you had a few thousand the first day and then 5,000 the next time, and now we're, we're, we're adding more. Church, if we want to grow spiritually and, and pack this church, any church for Christ, we have to connect and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. God is the one who brings, who causes growth to his church, and he allows us the opportunity and the privilege to come alongside him as we work together, as we strive together to help grow the church. And that's... That's the example. That's the lessons we learned from the first century church. They grew together. They cried together. They played together. But they stayed together.
Let's uh, stand as we get ready to worship our God, our living God again. And if you, if you, if you still have people who we need to pray for that you have not put in these golden bowls yet, you know, prayers from the saints, uh, we would invite you to continue doing that. Even if it's after church, that's fine. I collect them every day and I put them on our list and, and we start praying for them. I, I send out the list to the elders and, and I, I would assume we're all praying at different times for every name that's been put on this list. And that's what we want. We want people to live long lives. We all get that. But the most important is for people to live for all eternity. That is the goal of the church. That is the duty of the church. To represent Jesus well and advance the gospel of Christ. Let me pray. Father God, we praise you. We thank you again for your word here in Acts. We thank you all the stuff that they went through. That is just wonderful examples for us. Some scary stuff, some crazy stuff, some things we just don't understand and will never understand. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege, the honor through our Savior Jesus Christ that we can come before you as a body of believers to present ourselves to you. Just wanting to be servants, Father. Wanting to honor you and to share Jesus, to share what Jesus has done in each of our own lives. And I pray, Father, we will do it with boldness. That we will not fear what this world will throw at us. Because it's only going to be a temporary thing. I pray, Father, for strength. I pray for wisdom. I pray, Father, that the church would be the church. In Jesus' name we pray. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six, where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts, or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.